Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet online where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's the Mikey Likes You podcast, and I'm Mikey Who Likes, and you are you who is like, whoa, let's get after it. It's one of them Q&As where you give me Qs, I give you As, and let's get right to it. I want to thank Bet Online. I want to thank First Attachment, the absolute best nutritional supplements on the planet. Right now, in fact, for Father's Day, go and get buy one, get one free with their testosterone-boosting product, which is really good, really good. There's blood work to prove it. This stuff is fantastic. Increase your sexual appetite. Increase your ability to gain muscle, lose body fat, and just be happier. There's a sense of wellness that comes with getting your testosterone in the right range and also with the added estrogen metabolism. Check it out. I will put a link in my show notes below. Also, the field rations, something I work use every workout. And the Go Pills, if you're interested in fat-burning lipolysis, uh, the QRF, which I use every single day to make sure that my liver is in check. And it's the only thing that's ever worked for my liver, honestly. Um, I get my blood work done four or five times a year, and my liver values were always the one thing that was never coming back very good until I started using QRF. So go to First Attachment, check it out, use the code MIKE10, save yourself some money. Let's get right to the questions. Pete Cerrone, any thoughts on our experience with reverse pyramid training on core lifts? Absolutely. It is the best form of training when it comes to losing body fat, retaining, or gaining a little bit of muscle. Um, I always incorporate reverse pyramid training unless I'm absolutely going for you know pure hypertrophy, which is very infrequent now that I'm old. Um, but reverse pyramid training, I got introduced to it when I started working with Martin Burkhan, uh, the man behind Lean Gains. He is really the godfather of intermittent fasting, regardless of what anyone else might like to say. Um, I started working with him probably three or four years ago, and I started incorporating reverse pyramid training exclusively, and it is absolutely a very practical way to train. Essentially, instead of going pyramiding up to doing your heaviest set, your most intense set last, you're doing your most intense set first. When you have your most, uh, when you have the most glycogen available, when you have the most energy, when you have the most ability to push through the least amount of fatigue, and then you take off weight and back off and do subsequent back off sets. Um, I love reverse pyramid training. I encourage it very, very much. Uh, protein is king, says Snago9, but daily consumption, about how much fruits and veggies should I be eating trying to lose the fat, earn the muscle? Um, fruits, I think, should always be consumed at a pretty good clip, even if you're trying to build or lose weight. Um, 
you know, things like citrus fruits have actual above and beyond just the nutrients and, you know, the, the calories and the carbs that they're going to give you. There's components in them that actually help with fat loss. And, and of course, considering how low they are calorically when it comes to density, they're so high nutritionally when it comes to density. Fruits, I recommend. Veggies start to get weird. Um, I, I eat lots of veggies. I know there's like the carnivore people out there who are against it. But, you know, if you cook your vegetables, I think they're an excellent adjunct to any diet because, again, you're getting tons of fiber, micronutrients, and you get full off of really low amounts of calories, which is a great thing when you're trying, trying to lose body fat. Um, so spinach, zucchini, broccoli, asparagus, all of these things, fantastic. Just cook them first before you eat them. Okay, um, raw vegetables, especially raw vegetables like that. Pretty much any raw vegetable except for carrots. Um, carrots are something that should be eaten raw. Um, they're going to cause problems with the gut. And so, yeah, there you go. Ross Ferris 81. So as far as maximum energy output for lifting, what are your thoughts on sex before working out? Kind of sounds like a silly question, but it actually is a good one. Sex before training, I think, is probably a good idea because even though, you know, men... You know, men and women have a very different response to orgasm. That is why women can be multi-orgasmic. Um, I know <laughs> I actually have a, a pretty thought-out answer and pretty useful answer for this um, from, from Loveline. You know, women can be multi-orgasmic and women can often feel exhilarated after sex and maybe like be ready to, you know, charge after the day. Men, on the other hand, you know, we blow a load and it's like, you just feel like you're going to, you're going to pass out. And, you know, look, there's clear kind of biological evolutionary reasons for that. Um, because, you know, as far as like impregnating someone, it would, it served the woman well to be able to like continue doing that. Um, in case shot number one isn't, isn't, uh, isn't sufficient. But, um, you know, as far as training, you got to understand masturbation before training is really genuinely a terrible idea um, because you're, you're kind of pulling out your mojo and there is going to be like a hormonal fallout. Now, sex before training is interesting because you're going to get that same kind of loss of energy, but you're also going to get a big boost in hormonal output, you know, from the good stuff like testosterone and progesterone and whatnot. So uh, I would have to say like sex before training, probably a good idea. I think honestly, all kidding aside, I'm, I'm, I am a horn dog, but I, I think just in general, like sex with a part, two consensual partners that like are wanting to do is always a good idea. Um, if you, if you're against it for religious reasons, but I, I'm not trying to persuade you in either way. But if you are open to sexual activity from a moral standpoint, I think from a health perspective, it's always a good idea. Sex is never a negative. And assuming that emotionally, psychologically, everything's in order. I mean, obviously, sex is not a good idea if you don't want to have sex with that person. Um, but if, if everyone's in on it, there's never a bad time, in my opinion. I'm being serious, too, um, from a health standpoint for sexual activity. Sneaky Pete. Oh, I know this dude. Good man. My current goal is to gain mass specifically in upper body, or excuse me, upper back, traps, and arms in order to look more filled out in the uniform. This is a managed uh, police officer. I get most enjoyment out of lower rep, one to five reps, main lift, squat bench, dead, overhead press. Is it counterproductive to start each day with a lower rep, high weight, main lift, and then fill the workout in with high rep, hypertrophy work? No, that's actually very reasonable. You would never want to go in the opposite direction. Start off your 
workout, if you're focusing on upper back and traps, for instance, start off with some heavy deadlifts. Really work it. Go as heavy as you can with form as a consideration and always keeping safety at the, as a paramount idea. And then after that, work in some shrugs and some wide grip rows, but in a higher, more hypertrophy-based rep range. Um, you know, any kind of smart, competitive, high-level strength athletes, you're going to see that. You look at the guys at Westside or at Mark Bell's gym or, at, uh, you know, um, what's the awesome place downtown L.A.? Uh, strength. God darn it. I can't remember it. It's in downtown LA. It's a really like well-known powerlifting gym. But if you look at those guys, what are those those like Cholo-looking dudes in Orange County? Uh, strength cartel, the strength cartel. You know, just check out these people who are high-level lifting athletes, high-level strength athletes. That's what they're doing. They're they're focusing whether it be dynamic effort or max effort on the big compound lifts, and then after that, they fill in the cracks with the hypertrophy work. Frank Zane has said testosterone feeds cancer and he takes medication to keep it low. Crazy. And Michael Hearn has said testosterone is overrated. So naturally, I'm coming to Mikey to find out the truth about testosterone. What are your thoughts on TRT and could you still be considered natural while on it? Well, there's a lot of questions there, uh, Fred, Fredville 2000. Frank Zane is right. Testosterone will feed cancer, okay, as would protein. You know, so when people isolate certain unique situations, there are going to be times where legitimately stuff that you hear from a lot of credible sources is actually a bad idea. I would not want someone who has any type of tumorous growth or cancerous growth in their body to be upping their, their synthesis of, of cells, right? Which is what you're normally wanting to do with a high protein diet. You would want to keep protein really low so that you don't feed that tumor or that cancerous growth. Um, testosterone is the same way, especially look in places like the prostate. Uh, Dr. Drew is a perfect example. He loves pumping iron. He loves looking jacked. And Dr. Drew walks it like he talks it. He looks great. For a guy his age, he really is fa in fantastic shape and very strong and very fit. Dr. Drew had prostate cancer. And even leading up to the prostate cancer, he was aware that, that it could be a, 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 some potential. So he was always, even though he had a medical kind of perspective on testosterone being very beneficial if done right, um, was always very wary of it. So Frank Zane is onto something. That doesn't necessarily mean that testosterone in and of itself is a bad thing. Michael Hearn saying testosterone is overrated. That, we need more details on that because is testosterone overrated in comparison to primabolin, in comparison to using GH with Winstrol? I mean, what does he mean by overrated? Overrated in what capacity? When it comes to upping the quality of life for someone who's deficient in testosterone, a, a male, um, testosterone is not overrated. It can be a life-saving drug. In fact, in females uh, who, are, who have reached menopause, females who have hormonal problems for whatever reason can be life-saving. Bioidentical hormones for females oftentimes can be a lifesaver for getting their sex drive back, uh, improving quality of life, elevating mood, getting energy back. You know, all of the, there's, there's a myriad reasons above and beyond just looking jacked and tan. There's a lot of benefit to testosterone. And one of the bigger ones that people often overlook is mental health aspects that come with elevating testosterone to a healthy level if it's deficient. People with traumatic brain injury, people oftentimes with PTSD that don't have traumatic physical brain injuries, but kind of psychological brain injury, have benefited quite greatly in a much safer way than with uh, psychiatric drugs by using a 
therapeutic, well-regulated dose of testosterone. So no, it is not overrated. It is not cancer food in a sense. It is something that I wouldn't want to be administering to someone who is in danger of having or has already developed some form of cancer's growth. Okay, So you have to separate the two. And oh, you're not natural. If you're taking exogenous hormones, you're not natural. But there is a big difference between quote unquote abusive hormones or cheating with them and then being like an older person or someone who with some type of biological need for elevated hormones and then having a doctor prescribe them and give it, it be, there's a difference between medicine and, and you know, abuse. It's, it's very similar to like, if you are a soldier or a police officer that gets shot in the stomach, you better fucking believe Percocet is awesome. Okay. If you're going out on Friday night with the boys, Percocet is not cool and it is abusive and it's gross and dangerous. Look at the difference between the two. If you're a 22 year old guy that just wants to look better and you start injecting testosterone sipinate, that's, that's not really practical and it's not something that I would support. It's something I did, but it's not something I would support, nor would I ever encourage anyone to do that. If you are a 50-year-old guy that has just like gotten to the point in his life where like nothing brings you joy and you're flabby even though you're training hard and you're trying to watch your diet and you don't want to bang your wife and then you go to the doctor and get testosterone and it's monitored and then your life comes back into place, that seems like a pretty fucking big difference. Harry of Futt. So what's been your biggest adjustment moving to Texas outside the most obvious? Heat. And now managing a small farm. What caught you different than expected? I love everything about Texas. Uh, I've had to adjust greatly just from moving to a farm. If I moved to a farm 10 miles away from Venice Beach, it would still be a great adjustment. Farm living is really hard. I I don't know if anyone's surprised by that. It's very rewarding. If you love animals, it's it's like nothing else. Um, Especially as a parent, you know, having, having land and having the ability to get in touch with nature with my daughter. Is, is quite, quite rewarding. Um, but the biggest, the, what has caught me the most off guard, what is the craziest? People are always like, my friends back home, they'll be like, uh, the guns, man, or the, you know, the conservatives. And I was like, no, honestly, everything, life is life. One, one thing I cannot wrap my head around, and I don't know if I'll ever get used to it, is dudes ride motorcycles with no helmet. It's crazy to me. I just, that's one thing. I can see gun racks in the back of trucks. I can see all the stuff that maybe I wasn't used to. To me, nothing catches me off guard except seeing dudes whiz by on a motorcycle with no helmet. I'm like, man, oh man. But hey, you know, if if that's your choice, that's your choice. If you want to do that, you do that. JGuz808, how often do you get massages? I am a massage instructor in California, but if I decided to move to Texas, I'm going to need clients. You down? Uh, Well, that's two questions. How often do I get massages? Never, literally never. Uh, am I down? Hell yeah. I don't get massages ever, not because I don't think there's any value or that I don't like it. Uh, I'm not going to pay for it. If you want to massage me, fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, looking for an alternative to squats, M. Quintero says. I have a shoulder pain on my right side. When putting weights over my shoulder, I guess there is hack squat. What you think? Trying to contutor work. I'm guessing counter work out without messing myself up. Um, the best alternative would be front squats, lunges with dumbbells, ha- uh, Bulgarian split squats with dumbbells, 
And then the safety bar squat. The safety bar squat, you can hold like this. It doesn't put your shoulders in that weird position that you get when you do back squats with a barbell. Um, goblet squats are a great example, uh, another great alternative. Um, you, you Just make sure you're hitting that plane, that movement pattern, even though you can't do back squats. Because look, just like the bench press, uh, it's not about the exercise itself. It's about getting kind of res heavy resistance in that movement pattern. A lot of people have shoulder problems from the bench press or they tore a pec once and they don't, you know, or biomechanically it just doesn't work out for you. The bench press doesn't feel right. Unless you're a power lifter, then don't bench press. Just find something similar where you can load it up heavily and really get that force and that resistance into the targeted muscles. Ben Arndt. Is the recommendation for protein intake for fitness goals one gram per pound of body weight only on training days or recovery days as well? Should you eat the same amount of protein on training day as a day where you are significantly less active? Now, activity and protein have no real correlation. I know this is going to sound crazy. A lot of people think like, well, if I'm training a lot, I need to be eating more protein around my work. It really, no, it's not. Your daily protein intake is something that's cumulative and you just need to keep a high protein to just make sure that your body's functioning properly and you get good protein synthesis. Also helps with like blood sugar regulation and appetite, all that. Carbs, on the other hand, are something where you want to have higher levels of carbs when you're training heavy, training hard. And then on days where you're resting, you can, you can go ahead and pull carbs out. Um, carbs are energy cofactors, okay? The carbs and fat, that's really what they do. Different energy systems are fed in different proportions with carbs and or fat. You know, really high intensity anaerobic stuff is going to be almost purely carb. Really low intensity aerobic things are going to be almost purely fat driven. Um, and then there's obviously like a, a Venn diagram kind of mixture of the two. Well, if you're not doing much of anything, you can do without that, okay? Your protein can stay consistent. What does need to happen, though, is on days, if you're really pulling your carbs low, if you're carb cycling, and on your days where you're not very active, you're pulling your carbs low, you don't want to elevate fat or anything else like that. You would want to then subsequently elevate protein to kind of keep your calories at the same. That's always kind of the thing that you can get away with eating more of. So I don't think that your activity has any level, anything to do directly with how much protein you're eating. What it does have to do with is if you're going to be fluctuating carbs, if you're going to have a uh, carb cycling system, on the days when carbs are lower, you're going to want to have your protein higher. AJ Reeves, 23. I'm having pain in the front of my shoulder when benching. Do you find any value in switching free weights for machines when working through and rehabbing an injury? Absolutely. Uh, I, I, got, I was kind of saying it in response to an earlier question. The bench press is a great exercise, but it's not mandatory. What is mandatory is some level of heavy resistance in that plane, in that kind of vertical, excuse me, horizontal push. Um, if you have shoulder pain, a bench press is really a bad exercise. Uh, I, I don't necessarily would, I wouldn't necessarily completely replace it with machines. There are some machines you should replace it with fine. You know, a hammer press or machine chest press, incline press is great. But I would also work in somewhere where you're bringing your elbows in closer to each other. And that's where you see the greatest value in cables and bands. Cables and bands are something that people should be using regardless because they are fantastic and they do provide uh, unique alternatives to free weights in that you're getting different levels of resistance at different points, more notably with bands as opposed to cables. 
cables are great because you get a continuous level of resistance through that like plane that you can control, and it doesn't put the same level of stress on connective tissue. The bands actually give you higher levels of resistance at the point of contraction, which is something that's actually very beneficial and can be great when rehabbing because in the stretch position, you're getting less resistance. You're closer to the point of where the band is, is not elasticized or pulled apart. And as you pull it more and more, you're getting more and more resistance and you're moving away from the point where you typically are going to have that pain. So that's uh, something to keep in mind. How much nicotine would be recommended daily for metabolic and cognitive benefits? I don't know what a therapeutic dose of nicotine is. Somewhere in, as far as a daily intake, I would say probably somewhere in the ballpark of two to 10 milligrams. I don't think it's a very high dose. Um, for just from the little research I've seen, you know, like nicotine declassified, um, which was a paper written by uh, Dr. Kiefer, John Kiefer, I believe his name is, you know, they're, they're seeing like the therapeutic metabolic and cognitive enhancement from like two milligrams. Um, now, how many times a day would you get that boost if you used it, you know, free, sporadically throughout the day? I'm unsure, but I would have to imagine, you know, 10 is, is, is a perfectly safe dose for a day, a day uh, use. Will Kulo Breaker be part of this? No, not today. Let's see here. Jameson the James. Cold plunging seems to be getting more popular these days. What's your thoughts on the mental resilience, mental health benefits of it? Well, Jameson the James, cold plunging is great. There's a lot of science to show it. Um, it is not something you want to do around your workout. Maybe pre-workout, it might be actually probably be pretty awesome. But uh, when it comes to resistance training, you got to understand, like people are so allergic now, you know, 10 years ago, everyone was carb hating, like they would, and it just got so out of control. Now people are, uh, they're, they're really anti-inflammation. Now, overall, of course, you don't, you want to monitor inflammation and keep it low, but there are advantages to inflammation and resistance training in and of itself, you find the benefit of resistance training through its inflammation creating properties. So right after a workout is not the time to take a contrast shower or get in a sauna or get in a cold plunge because you're going to blunt that response. You're going to blunt the ability to find that adaptation because you're going to lessen the inflammation. Now, throughout the day, when you're separated from your workout, a cold plunge is excellent. There's a lot of, a lot of very pretty pretty ample and conclusive scientific proof showing the benefits of cold plunge. One of them that uh, not many people talk about, but you, rec you uh, brought up is just toughening you up. You know, really cold water, like in the thirties and stuff, it takes, takes some serious wabitos to get in there and stay in there. It, your, your body goes into complete shock. And that's, there's a lot of value to that, to purposefully voluntarily show yourself that level of discomfort and being able to just kind of control it. Trey thinks, hi Trey. My workout partner wants to know what a normal weight working set would be for him on flat bench. He's 21 years old and 5'11", 175. His one rep max on squat is 315, nice. And his one rep max on deadlift is 375. But his one rep flat bench is 205 and he seems to think that he would be able to, he should be able to do more. Diet wise, he's eating around three. Uh, okay, here, here's the thing. Uh, percentages and you know these these like double body weight uh, deadlift and one and a half body weight squat or whatever you know like these these markers of achievement when it comes to the big three. I mean they have value, but people can't get married to them. And look, we're biomechanically so different, and some people. 
you know, for instance, take myself. I've always been, for my body weight, like a pretty good squatter. Just from mobility standpoint, I just, for some reason, have freakishly, like, really limber legs and articulatable legs. My upper back and shoulders and hips are really stiff, but, like, my, my quads, my glutes, for the most part, and my hamstrings are, like, super flexible, and my calves are super flexible, okay? So I've always been able to go, like, ass to grass and squat, and I never had any discomfort doing it. So I just got really good at it. Deadlifting, I'm kind of, I'm short for the amount of, like, muscle I'll hold, and I have short arms. So I just was able to deadlift really well. But I'm not a very good bench presser. I'm much like your friend. I mean, I could deadlift, I bench press more than 205, but I'm still not very good in comparison to the other numbers. Everyone has their, I know dudes that just can bench press out of the gym. They're just like repping three plates and their mindset, I'm like, Jesus Christ. But they can't pull 350 pounds. Everything is, is relative to like kind of your biomechanics. So I don't, don't let him get too upset over just the fact that he doesn't proportionately bench press very much in comparison to the other lifts. Um, I, I wouldn't push it too hard for its sake of injury. Unless he's a competitive power lifter, um, there's no need to. You can lower the weights and get quality through the bench press and not marry yourself to those numbers and just see yourself develop slowly. That is my best recommendation to him is not to get too anxiety-ridden over the fact that he's not a great bench presser and just focus on the quality of the movement. Last one here, Supercharged Venture. Hey, Mike. I'm an out-of-shape account exec even though my wife is a fit naturopathic doctor. I need a big shift push. What I'm thinking is my wife and I moved to Austin. And not just that, but we move in with you. We can pay rent. We'll be useless on the farm, though. I need a 24-7 uh, I need you 24-7 to slap my fat tits around until they fall off and get back to 200 pounds. Thanks, Mike. And also, I'm kidding about moving in, so please don't block me. LOL, you live. Uh, okay, so he was joking, but there is, there is some value to that question because I wanted to talk about motivation, inspiration. You're not going to find – it's not something you could synthesize. Um, there's so many like self-help gurus out there that are like, and then you do this and you just get in the zone. And you, sometimes, look, that's not the case. And if everyone could be motivated all the time or find motivation and inspiration to do great things, we would all do great things. But it changes at different points in your life and there's no way to kind of make sense of it. You just got to keep working on yourself, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Keep in a kind of positive mind frame and stay present. Don't have this vision of the future all the time. And also don't be so married to nostalgia and living in the rearview mirror. Neither of those things are going to kind of cultivate motivation. When you really take the effort and put it into sitting in that moment of I'm living, I'm alive right now. And this is what I'm doing. And when this is what I'm doing ends up being something positive and something that leads to growth, spiritually, mentally, physically, along the way, trust me, as a byproduct of that, inspiration to then go into greatness will come. Okay? So, uh, the big fucking wasp. Holy mackerel. Um, So you will... Look, seriously... I, 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 I bet you're, I know you're joking, but I bet you do want to get in better shape. Um, don't try to just beat yourself up and then try to find inspiration from that. Recognize that you're alive right in this moment and don't think about, I have to be this in the future and then this is what I used to be or 
I remember when that, in, in a positive and negative way, I can't look back and be like, you know, two years ago I was much leaner and I could lift more and blah, 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 blah. Because then what purpose does that serve? I have to think about right now. And you do the same. And trust me, if you're in the moment all the time doing things that you can honestly tell yourself are, are, are putting you in, in growth mode, then eventually as a byproduct of that, inspiration for greatness comes along. All right. Again, first attachment, you're the best. They make the best stuff on the planet. Check the link below. Use the code Mike10. Get yourself some first attachment nutritional supplements. Bet online. Thank you. My Patreon. I have top tier availability for my clients, which means I coach you. Nutrition, habit forming, training, it's all there for you. 24-hour access to me. Uh, Zoom calls, whatever. I'm there for you, man. I like to work with people. I enjoy it, and I want to work with you if you're interested. So check out the link in the show notes below. Again, in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.